Good morning, everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online, on television, or right here in the sanctuary, we're so glad you decided to spend this last Sunday in October, just a portion of it, with us. We are in this journey meeting an ancient community and seeing how these rules that guide this ancient community, how they can still speak to us today. You likely know them as the Ten Commandments. In the Old Testament, they're originally known as the Ten Words. Now, their original purpose was to help a previously enslaved people become a community, and not just any community, but a community that would bless others because they were blessed by God. Now, the first commandment, you shall have no other gods but me, reminds us that what we become what we worship. We're all going to worship something, whether it's technology or Jesus or something else, we become what we worship. We need guardrails around our hobbies. We need boundaries on our technology so we can be sure we're only shaped by God alone and not, uh, not, uh, not with all the other many things that we love to do. Now today we're looking at the 10th commandment, the last one. Started with the first, now we're gonna do the 10th one today. Now we're gonna see just how important these two commandments are. They serve as bookends, they serve as drivers for the other commandments. You can flip to Exodus 20 if you want to follow along with me. It's the second book in your Bible. You're welcome to follow along in your own Bible, on your favorite device, or on the screen with me. Andy, one of the other pastors here, he found himself at Hobby Lobby one afternoon, and he witnessed a mom doing an incredible job with her young son. This young son was crying at the front of the store right by the registers. Through his sobs, he could hear him say, but I need it, pointing to the candy right at the front by the registers. His mom knelt down to the son and told him, sweetheart, you don't need this, you want it. She then went on to explain that it's dinner time, they're going to go home, they're going to have dinner, and this is going to ruin his appetite. And he could still have dessert after dinner. But the answer was no to this candy. Without missing a beat, having learned the lesson through tears and sobs, the son said, but I want it. Friends, is that not the human condition? I know I don't need it. I know I really don't need it, but I want it. That is the heart of the 10th commandment. Our scripture is Exodus 20, it's verse 17. Here it is. You must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Now these commandments are originally written to patriarchal, male-dominated family groups on how they should order their lives together. That's the reason for the male-focused language that you get. Let's read this passage together one time. We'll flip the side back so you can start with me. Let's read it. You must not covet your neighbor's house, You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. 
Now this one is unique among the Ten Commandments, different than the other nine. The other nine have some level of observability. You could see if someone's following the commandment or not on some level. You could see somebody is not worshiping other gods. They might not have any other other god statues in their house. They're not going to other god altars and worshiping there. Uh, You could see if somebody takes a Sabbath, you notice that on that day of the Sabbath, they're resting, there's no work happening at their house. You can see if somebody steals. You could see if somebody doesn't honor their father and their mother by not visiting or respecting them. And you might see if someone commits adultery if a relationship breaks apart. The first nine can somehow be observed. But this one? How do you know if I'm not coveting my neighbor's ox or donkey? Now, in my case, my neighbors don't have an ox or a donkey, so I'm good. I'm in the clear on this one. But how do you know if another person is not coveting the, another spouse or a job? This commandment is about a heart condition. This begins inside of us. It is the young child at the checkout knowing he shouldn't have candy right now, but still saying, but I want it. We need to be sure, first, we've got a clear understanding of just what coveting is and what it isn't. Coveting is not admiring or appreciating something someone else has. Coveting is not admiration. A couple years ago, I went with a buddy to his 40th birthday celebration in Las Vegas. One of our activities was adult go-karts, which was a blast, by the way. Zip around this course, and if you're going too fast, you do a 360 and spin out. We had a great time. On the other side of this adult go-kart track was a normal-sized vehicle track where you could pay to have somebody take you around in some of the fastest and most expensive sports cars in the world. You could pay to have them drive you 200 miles an hour in a Corvette, a Lamborghini, a Ferrari, or a McLaren. The cars you see on the screen are absolutely the ones that were available, and we got to sit in them. They're just parked there. You could take a look at them. They are absolutely incredible vehicles, but I do not covet them. It was cool to see them up close, and if you've never sat in them, it is amazing how low they are. And at my size, it was kind of difficult to get in and out of some of these vehicles. They are low, they are tight. They only serve to go fast, which I admit is fun. But I in no way say I want it. In no way do I covet one of those vehicles. They are great to see, great to read about, but I don't want one of them. I admire them, but do not covet them. Covet is not admiration. Coveting is an unhealthy desire for something that someone else possesses. Coveting is an unhealthy desire for something someone else possesses. That is what the 10th commandment is pushing against, encouraging us to not let develop in our hearts. We don't desire our neighbor's ox or donkey because they're not ours. It's their neighbors to own and to care for them. They are not ours. So many wars on the planet throughout human history have begun because some ruler wanted something someone else possessed. Cain and Abel. The brothers mentioned in the first book of your Bibles, one gave into coveting. They both give offerings to God in worship. Abel brought his best gift, and Cain must have just brought some crops he had laying around. God accepts Abel's gift, but not Cain's. Cain becomes jealous and coveted Abel's connection with God. Or really, he just coveted God's positive response 
to Abel's offering. Instead of doing what was right, instead of just bringing a better offering to worship next time, Cain takes Abel out to a field and kills him. His desire, his unhealthy desire for something someone else possessed led to the murder of his brother. This is the importance of the 10th commandment. It leads to other problems. It leads to breaking other commandments. It leads to other sins. Cain covets and then leads to murder. He just broke two commandments. Letting this desire grow in us can lead to all kinds of trouble and dangers and more sins that break our connection with God and our love for our neighbors. Now, clearly, this is not a new problem. Coveting is not a new issue. Cain and Abel, that story is thousands upon thousands of years old. The commandments, they were given almost 3,000, around 3,000 years ago. They address common struggles we still deal with that, that break this love of God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, in our day, the advancement of technology and modern media has thrown gasoline onto the sin of coveting to let these things grow inside of us. Now, two things have caused coveting to kind of explode in our era. Now, the first is advertising. Advertising is a multi-billion dollar business, and its whole purpose is to grow desire in us. It's to make us unsatisfied for what we currently have. It is their job to keep us discontent, and they do it beautifully. Whether it is houses or cars, toys or technology, advertising commercials get us into a place where we are feeling discontent. And the only re relief for our discontent, the only thing that's going to make us feel better, is to buy this thing they're trying to sell us. In technology, it continues to advance. We must always have the newest and greatest. Imagine the ad campaigns for some of these devices. Anybody had one of these bad boys way back in the day? The latest in modern technology? Can you imagine the campaign? Have your phone with you at all times. Nothing more convenient than carrying a phone attached to a car battery. Smaller than most home appliances and totally portable. I can't imagine how long this battery lasted. Probably not nearly what your phones last today. But this advertisement worked. It got people to cut the cord to start moving to mobile phones. Then technology advanced, and you had to get the upgraded model. Check this one out. The latest and greatest in cell phone technology now with genuine simulated oak paneling. I mean, apparently there was an era we put oak paneling on everything because that was considered luxurious. Smaller than most bricks, you need to have one of these phones. You're going to need pretty large pants to put this in your back pocket or to find it in your purse. These are some of the things that we've been sold over the years and decades, and advertising exists to make us discontent, unsatisfied with where we are. That can so easily lead to breaking the 10th commandment, to coveting something we don't have. We need to watch our exposure to ads. Now, for quite a while in our marriage, Vicki and I have tried to reduce our advertisement and commercial exposure. We, for quite a while now, have only subscribed to some streaming services that don't have advertisements to reduce um, our exposure. Our kids love YouTube, and we noticed they were watching all kinds of ads with YouTube. So we finally decided to subscribe to YouTube Premium just so the ads would not be there anymore. Now, we are lucky. We're lucky, friends, to live in a time where you can subscribe to things that don't have all the commercials that they did in years past. 
Now, and frankly, the cheapest option for no ads, you can turn off whatever device you're on, go outside, and or read a book. Even cheaper to reduce your ad and commercial exposure. Now, one of my go-to workout shows is The Price is Right. Now, I'll be watching in the basement while working out on our elliptical, and then one of the kids walks by and just yells down the stairs as loud as they can, it's a brand new car! They like to make fun of me, and apparently I watch this show a lot. Now, even though we have a subscription service to no commercials, you can make the argument that the price is right, it's an hour of commercials with all of the products and televisions and cars and trips that are there. Friends, we've got to be aware just how much advertising, just how much commercials we absorb on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, it's gonna shape how we think, how we act, and how we behave. If we're not careful, coveting can easily slip into our hearts and it can pull us away from worshiping God and pull us away from loving our neighbors as ourselves. Advertising has thrown gas under the fire of coveting in the world. Second is our social media and all the kinds of platforms that we have. The various social media platforms, they are incredible tools where we can stay connected to each other, some friends and family that are literally half a world away, and we can see daily updates, sometimes multiple daily updates about how they're doing, and that's incredible. Unlike in eras past when we would have had to dial the phone number, to write a letter, or to make plans to travel to see each other, there is much good that can come from engagement with social media. There are also many dangers. There is a danger of envy that leads to coveting with desire in there that leads to action. Because we do more than just admire in other people's lives, we can start taking steps into that sin of coveting and want them. We want their lives. While scrolling at the pickup line at school, we see a friend's trip to sunny Florida. If I could just do that, then I'd be happy. When you're stuck at work and you're seeing your friends have a good time, man, if I could just have their jobs, I'd be with them, and then I'd be happy. In a broken and a struggling relationship, if I could just be with this person I see on my screen than the one I'm currently with, then I'd be happy. Desire leads to envy, leads to coveting, that leads to action, sinful action, that destroys relationships and destroys authentic community. You know, we can so cultivate a perfect image on a social media platform that it is not unheard of at all for people to only post the good stuff on their feeds. You don't get a full picture of their lives. You only get the snapshots of perfect moments. High school and college students might take a picture of themselves to post for finals week that makes it look like they've got everything together, and it's just a perfect image. The light is balanced, there is a perfect filter on it, and you can see them studying. Except what you don't know is that picture was taken two weeks before finals, and they scheduled to post it during finals week, so it made it look like everything was together and okay. And we can all do this. We can all put this image out there of things that just are not the way life is going to be. We can create the life we want to portray online than it actually is, and we can covet someone else's life that isn't even reality. Now, previously, when I'd read the Ten Commandments, I'd read through this list of ten, 
And be honest, it's a list of 10 things. It's a lot to read in an internet era where five things is a lot on a list. So you get down through the 10, and I always would think, well, the first one's got to be really important, but the 10th, not so much. But friends, this is not a priority list. These two commandments, the first and the 10th, are almost like bookends to show you just how incredibly important they are to keep. Because if you let desire grow in you, if you don't protect yourself from number 10, all the others could happen to you. Because number 10 is a heart condition, if that grows in you, much like Cain and Abel, it can lead to breaking way more than just one commandment. We see people breaking commandments all over scripture and all over human history up to today. So the question is, what do we do? So what do we do? We live in a time where it is really easy to covet. We are supposed to be in a state of constant discontentment. We're supposed to desire things, other people's lives. So what do we do? How do we keep discontentment and coveting at bay? Well, the secret, the secret is to seek contentment. We combat coveting and envy and desire by being perfectly satisfied where we are today in this moment right now at 11:10 a.m. on a Sunday. Now this doesn't mean we don't have goals. This doesn't mean we don't have targets. This doesn't mean we don't have things we want to do and trips we want to save for and places we want to go. It means our goals, our targets come from a place of contentment. Our goals and our targets come from contentment and they are built from there. If we don't hit our goals or if we can't take that trip or if we can't buy that house or if we can't buy that kind of car, we're fine. We're fine because our goals and our hopes and our dreams are built from a place of contentment, not discontentment. One of my favorite Saturday Night Live commercials from the past few years is the way too honest travel company Romano Tours. They speak to travel as being the thing that is not going to make you happy. If you're not already happy, you're not already content, this trip is not going to do it for you. Friends, contentment is not found in trips. Contentment is not found in commercials and advertising in so many of the places that we look for it. Paul, the first century church planner and missionary, he lived a life that was adventurous and unpredictable. From an ultra-Orthodox Jew to a follower of Jesus, you cannot have made more of a theological switch in his life. Now, he found himself run out of town by mobs, arrested, beaten, shipwrecked, and in prison. If there was a person in history who would have liked, maybe desired or coveted just a little bit of a calmer life, a little bit more peaceful life, Paul probably would have been it. But what does he say instead? Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, some of you might have memorized verse 13. It's a fantastic one to memorize, throw it up on your fridge, on your bathroom mirror. In this full context, Paul's telling you about contentment. That is the strength he's found. He's found contentment in Christ through everything Paul has been through. He has had peace that has been cultivated with a life with Jesus, in prayer, in worship, in a daily walk together. We know this not only from Paul's writings, but because this is Paul's attitude from prison. That's where this scripture comes from. That's where this letter comes from. Paul in prison has contentment while writing this passage. That's incredible. 
Friends, we seek contentment by being grateful. We seek contentment by being grateful with where we are today, the family that we have, the people, the friends we share life with, the health that we have, the fact we are alive today to take another breath in this place. We seek contentment by watching what influences us. We're critical with the advertising we take in and our social media intake. We watch We keep watch as we celebrate with people who take trips and celebrate life moments and hit goals. We make sure that we admire and are thankful for what they get to do. We admire and are thankful so we don't let desire and envy and coveting take root. And we seek contentment by daily staying connected to Jesus. Now this is why Paul could be content in all the craziness of life. He found peace daily with Christ. He found joy daily with Christ. Daily gratitude with Jesus. Now we cultivate that connection with Jesus by doing things like this. By worshiping together. By praying together. By reading scripture. Then no matter what might come our way, if we hit all of our goals and targets that we've got or not, we're still content. We're still not coveting because we have a source of joy and peace and contentment and life in Christ alone. So when you feel just like that kid at the checkout line, but I want it, take it to Jesus in prayer and let Christ remind you that true peace and joy and contentment are found in him alone. Let's pray together. Loving God, we live in a noisy world that clamors for us to be discontent all the time, wanting more and different things. Yet you've made a way for us to find peace and joy and contentment in your Son alone. When we feel desire and envy grow in us, may we take it to Jesus, who can remind us that true life, lasting life, everlasting life is found in him alone, regardless of our personal situations. It's in his resurrected name that we pray together. Amen.